Today's passage comes from Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18. Jesus said, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Growing up in Wisconsin, we clearly didn't have the restaurant options that Los Angeles has. Our most authentic Mexican food options that we had was Taco Bell, and I thought that was the highest quality Mexican food out there. So much so that when I was in college, I ate Taco Bell multiple times a week. The food in LA is incredible, some of the best food in the world. People say that Korean food is better in LA than it is in actual Korea, that's how good it is. And we have so much food in America that we throw away and waste so much food also. Sometimes it's difficult to have self-control over cheesecake or donuts or chocolate or potato chips or just food in general. And if we desire, if we desire it, we eat it. And we'll even drive far distances to get it. Our, in our culture, our bodies have become our master and has authority over us rather than the other way around. Rather than we having authorities over our bodies, our bodies have become our authorities over us. And psychologists defined a principle called the pleasure principle as only wanting to do what feels good in the moment. And this is typically reserved for the immature, like children. But now, this is the new normal in our culture for adults. If it feels good, do it. Which, this now leads to lots of addictions and huge debt and other destructive lifestyles. John Mark Comer says that as long as we run our life on the pleasure principle, we'll never mature into the man or the woman that has the capacity to enjoy life as God intended it. Our lives are being run by what the Bible calls our flesh. In fact, our society is set up to indulge our flesh. It tries to feed it, market to it, solicit to it, tempt it, promote to it. But is there a way, is there a practice from the way of Jesus to break free from the power our bodies and its desires have over us. And there is. It's called fasting. The Jewish understanding of fasting is abstaining from food for a duration and sometimes drink, but only on rare occasions. There are more teachings on fasting in the New Testament than on repentance and confession. Jesus taught more on fasting than on baptism and the observance of the Lord's Supper even. Last week, we talked about why prayer, and in Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then right after that, he says in verse 16, When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, but when you fast, your Father, who sees you in secret, will reward you. I want you to notice that Jesus says that when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast, and also when you fast properly, Jesus promises a great spiritual reward from the Father. And so, though it was not a command, you have to ask yourself, well, why would you bother teaching on it if it, if it wasn't something that you wanted us to do? Jesus, I mean, he simply could have said, hey, you know what, don't bother with it. Don't bother with fasting. You're not under the law. You're free. No, Jesus did not command us to fast, but... He seemed to expect followers of Jesus to fast. And no, the apostles never commanded fasting, but they practiced it themselves. 
And Jesus made it clear that fasting, like prayer and giving, is to be a normal part of Christian life. Watch. We all know and believe in the importance of prayer and giving, but sadly our approach to fasting is that it is a dispensable thing, merely an option for occasional implementation, if if at all. But Jesus himself lived a lifestyle of fasting. Once again, you'll hear me present a lot of John Mark Comer's teachings on fasting. And once again, fasting goes back to the Garden of Eden. I'm not kidding. I'm serious. It's like, what? Adam and Eve fasted? Comer points out that out of the hundreds of teachings that he's heard about the original sin in the Garden of Eden, he's never heard anyone ever make a point that original sin had to do with food. The original sin had to do with the inability to not eat something that was right in front of them. Now, the temptation was not not to eat food, but the temptation was to, was to redefine good and evil, to trust yourself and your own intuition, and to trust the serpent instead of trusting God for human flourishing. And that's always been the temptation, and that still is the temptation, to trust your own instinct your own gut, and your and, and the voice in your head, wherever that voice may come from. St. Ignatius of Loyola said, Sin is unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is my only deepest happiness. Now, if you look back at the garden story, what was the means of this temptation? It was food. It was to eat or not to eat. God designed man and woman to rule over creation And creation is divided uh, by the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom. But now it's been become inverted where the serpent in the animal kingdom has now ruled over Adam and Eve, and they're also ruled by a fruit in the plant kingdom. And so now the, the animal world and the plant world has become authority over human beings. And where does our fruit food come from? It comes from both the animal world and the plant world, And now it has power over us. I mean, isn't this remarkable? And if you remember the temptation of Jesus right after he was baptized in Matthew 4, Jesus was fasting for 40 days. And what was the first temptation Satan offered Jesus? He said, turn these stones into bread. Another temptation that involves food. So here's a replay of Genesis 3, where the first Adam was facing the tempter, And he was tempting him with food. But here's the second Adam, Jesus, facing the tempter and was tempting him with food. Once again, it's kind of about food, but not really about food. It's more than that. But unlike Adam, where he failed, here is Jesus succeeding. And by succeeding, Jesus was able to open up a pathway of freedom from being ruled over by the created for anyone who would want that freedom. Then Comer presents the question, how did Jesus succeed where Adam and Eve and you and I have failed? Was there a practice involved that Jesus did to execute victory over his flesh, over over temptation? And there is. It's called fasting. You know, I've, I've always read this passage of Jesus fasting for 40 days as he was hungry and he's weak and he's tired. But in fact, the opposite was true. Jesus was not at his weakest spiritually, but he was at his spiritual strongest because of fasting when he had this showdown with the devil himself. 
After 40 days of fasting, in order to defeat the devil himself, Jesus was at his strongest. It was only after fasting did Jesus have the control over his body to be victorious over the tempter and the accuser. Also, Jesus started his ministry with fasting. Now, it kind of shows us a a, a different understanding or a different paradigm when Jesus says that my food is to do the will of the Father. And he quotes Deuteronomy when he says, Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus was receiving his energy from his life with God. What fasting allows us to do is it allows us to empty ourselves of the junk that we've accumulated. It detoxifies our souls so that, that we can be filled with God's presence uh, and experience God more intimately in our lives. Richard Foster says that more than any other single discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a, a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We cover up what is inside us with food and other good things, but in fasting, these things surface. So fasting is not only a physical cleansing, but it's also a spiritual cleansing. So let me ask you, how often do you fast? Well, if you haven't been part of the Grace Life community for some time, then the most common answer that I get is never. Or or maybe I tried once or twice a, a long time ago, but haven't fasted in the past 10 or 20 years. I didn't know it was a thing. You know, in Jesus' time, most Jews and all Pharisees fasted at least twice a week. Fasting was one of the core practices of that time. In Matthew 6, the only time uh, there's a recording of Jesus teaching about spiritual disciplines explicitly is here, and he teaches about three of them. He teaches about prayer, he teaches about fasting and giving to the poor, because they were the most important spiritual disciplines, or at least those are the ones that Jesus wanted us to know about. The early church also fasted twice a week. Lent, which is the time right before Easter, was originally a 40-day fast. No meat, no alcohol for 40 days, and this lasted a long time in church history. John Wesley, the father of the Methodist movement, said this, quote, I fear there are now thousands of Methodists, so-called, both in England and Ireland, who, following the same bad example, have entirely left fasting, who are so far from fasting twice a week that they do not fast twice in a month. The man who never fasts is no more in the way to heaven than the man who never prays. Now, I'm not saying that I agree or endorse what he is saying, but what I am saying is that he was a historical game-changing leader of the church, and that fasting was a core practice of the early church. That if you were at all serious about your apprenticeship to Jesus, then you fasted on a regular basis. So then, what happened? How did this practice of fasting become extinct for the followers of Jesus? There are, there are of course, uh, many factors historically, but uh, just to make it simple, is uh, we're living in a society where hedonism, self-pleasure, is the gospel of our day. Our culture says, are you crazy for giving up like delicious, organic, non-GMO, grass-fed, grain-fed, cage-free, allowed to run around, no pesticides, no hormones, non-processed, no added sugar? I mean, come on, are you serious? It sounds dangerous to give up that kind of stuff. The idea of going without food sounds cultish. And fasting 
is has become a lost practice in the modern Western church where in other religions it is still mainstream. Over the years, I've presented to you uh, that fasting means to lay aside any pleasurable and vital activity for a period of time in order to intensely pursue God and know His mind with the intent of obeying His revealed will. Well, Comer is, is more intense than that, yet I believe truer to the practice than, than I've tried to present to us uh, in regards to fasting, at least in the past. Because he states that fasting is not at least two things. First, first of all, abstaining. Fasting is not abstaining. You'll hear people say, um, I'm fasting from social media or I'm fasting uh, from Xbox. I'm fasting from Xbox. Um, well, let's be real. That's, that's called growing up or adulting. Or I'm fasting from coffee or fasting from shopping. I mean, we're all for declining practices that would violate our ability to love Jesus more and uh, we need to do more of it in our lives but but he says let's just call it what it is I'm not playing Xbox today or I'm not buying clothes for three weeks I'm abstaining which is not the same as fasting also he says fasting is not a restricted diet and I'm guilty of this but uh, we've talked about doing a Daniel fast right no meat just vegetables and fruit and for sure, that is probably better for your body and your mind and your spirit. But nowhere in that story is fasting mentioned. This this is a, a good thing to detox your body and maybe clear up your skin, but it's not fasting. Fasting is abstaining from food. Um, spiritual fasting is also not a way to earn God's favor by getting Him to do something for us. Rather, the purpose is to produce a transformation in us, a clearer, more focused attention and dependence upon God. Fasting is meant to humble us. Oftentimes, all the things in our lives that we take pride in are, are stripped away in fasting. King David says in Psalm 69, I humble myself by fasting. Once again, fasting is not trying to twist God's arm to get Him to do something for us. Fasting is that discipline which tries to recapture our hunger for God. It says to God, I'm willing to forego anything, the most important thing, in order to be in your presence. It demonstrates a desperation for God. Jesus says in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Psalm 107 says, For he has satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. Luke 1 53, he has filled the hungry with good things. To be hungry is to be aware that, that you have a desperate need. I'm guessing none of us have probably faced uh, actual physical starvation. But hungry people, they have one focus, and it's where to find food. It consumes their whole existence from the time that they wake up until the time they go to bed. Their, their focus is to finding food. And that's how we should hunger for God how we should seek God, how we should need God, how, how we should want God, where when we're hungry for God, that is our only focus, God himself. The ones God satisf satisfies are marked with spiritual hunger. Another benefit of fasting is that it can train our, our passions, it can train our flesh. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. 
We are so used to giving ourselves whatever we want, whenever we want it. We say, if I feel like a donut, we go get a donut. Richard Foster says that our stomach is like a spoiled child. And spoiled children do not need indulgence, they need discipline. We are not controlled by our stomachs, but controlled by the Spirit of God. Fasting is a spiritual is spiritual training in self-control. 1 Timothy 4, 8 says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. King David cried out, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And we do that by fasting. So fasting is not eating food in order to feed on the Holy Spirit. Not eating food in order to feed on the Holy Spirit. John Piper calls it whole body hungering for God. Scott McKnight calls fasting praying with your body and your stomach. Just as lifting our hands in worship and praising God uh, with our hands is worshiping God with our body, Fasting is praying with our body. And when we fast, we're looking away from ourselves to to see Christ as our only true help, our only hope. Both fasting and prayer cried out, Father, I am empty, but you are full. I am hungry, but you are the bread of life. I am thirsty, but you are the fountain of life. I am broken, but you are whole. We fast because we know that in our heart nothing on earth can satisfy our deepest longings besides you, God. That no one else can minister to our sickness like God. That there's no one that can heal our land like our God. That there's no one that can free us from the bondage of sin like our God. Now, if I could be honest, the reality is that sometimes the practices of Jesus don't work all the time. I mean, sometimes you'll set aside time to fast and pray and you'll feel God's presence and you'll start crying because you feel this wave of forgiveness and love that is unexplainable. Other times you set aside time to fast and pray and you're just, you're just hangry all day, right? And, and you get nothing out of it. Sometimes you'll read your Bible and you'll feel like God spoke directly to the depth of your soul. And other times you're bored out of your mind. That's just the way it is. Sometimes when you take a Sabbath, you feel extremely refreshed and re-energized. And other times, you're just grumpy all day and just stressed out. So the practices of Jesus is not a formula. And that's a good thing. If there were a formula, then our relationship would be reduced to a transaction. And we talked about transactional relationships last week. It would look like, okay, God, I go to church on Sundays. I attend my life pod. And I go to 7 and 14 on Saturdays. And in return, you give me emotional health and a happy life. And if that transaction is not completed, then I'm done with you. Spiritual habits don't always work the way we want it. But over time, there is a cumulative result that happens. Just like working out at the gym. You may lift weights or run a short distance. Being disappointed in the immediate result. But over time... If you continue these habits, you'll find yourself transformed, healed, renewed, and blessed and growing in the image of God. Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's not. But if you provide a space for God in your life, He can do great things in you and through you. There's a saying in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, keep coming back. It works if you work it. I think the longer version is, keep coming back. 
it works if you work it, so work it because you're worth it. Every January of the new year, uh, we at Grace Life, we engage in a 21-day corporate fast where all of us fast. And uh, there is biblical precedent for public calls to fast. Uh, Queen Esther called an entire nation to a three-day fast during a national crisis. During Yom, Yom Kippur, which is the Jewish Day of Atonement, where all of Israel would fast together for a 24-hour period every single year. So I want to encourage you to begin fasting regularly, maybe once a week, once a month, uh, or a three-day fast, or a seven-day fast. Uh, we will, of course, be fasting this January. Uh, for many of us who have done this practice of Jesus, we've experienced a clarity in hearing God's voice and a closeness to God. And I want to encourage you to keep coming back to it because it works if you work it. I've experienced it. You've experienced it. And it's the closest that that I've ever uh, felt and, and felt with God. And so I want you to experience that too. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for this practice. As challenging as difficult it is, our flesh doesn't want to do it. Our flesh cries out and, and wants to... Um, uh, not fast and pray and seek your face, but Lord, we pray in desperation, God, that we need uh, to experience you, that we want to uh, declutter and detox our souls from all the sin and the garbage and the dirtiness that we've accumulated over this year, Lord, especially through COVID. And so, Lord, we pray, God, that we would uh, experience your voice, hear you clearer, uh, know your heart, and uh, experience intimacy with you, God, as we um, practice um, fasting together. Lord, we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.